Now on Radio Italia Uno, it's time to change the world with Matt McQuinley. The energy, the faith, the devotion which we bring to this endeavor will light our country and all who serve it. And the glow from that fire can truly light the world. We focus on changing the world for the better by taking personal responsibility, canceling cancel culture, discussing and listening to each other on topics like leadership, cultural trends, business, history, and more. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Right now on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello and welcome to Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We have a couple fabulous guests today. Uh, we have in our studio today Rosie Albrecht from Citizen Advocacy South Australia, who is their program manager, as well as Heather Buck, who is the vice chair of the same organization. As you know, our focus on this show is to do our best to help change the world for the better. And Rosie and Heather are doing that one life at a time with our mo- some of our most vulnerable, the intellectually disabled. A recent study has shown by the Australian government that over 500,000 Australians are intellectually disabled. Heather and Rosie and their organizations are completely aligned with our focus on this show and are making a difference in people's lives as we speak. Rosie and Heather, welcome to the show. Please, Rosie, if you could start us off and tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and then tell us a little bit about... uh, Citizen Advocacy South Australia and its mission. Um, Hi, Matt. Thank you for for the introduction. Uh, A bit about myself. Well, I was born in Adelaide. Um, I'm very familiar with the Adelaide landscape and it helps very much in the job that I do because um, knowing people helps and uh, finding people for people is what I do. So... um, Working with people with disability, that sort of came a bit naturally to me because I was born into a situation where I grew up around people with disability. So folks with disability have always been part of my life, as I would hope they would be for most people. Um, So regarding citizen advocacy, what we do is we provide opportunities for people in the community to make a difference in the life of at least one person with an intellectual disability. And they can do that very simply by getting involved and assisting that person with the things that the person finds difficult for themselves. And sometimes that could be around friendship, it could be around housing, it could be around finances, it could be around just daily living issues. So many people with intellectual disability may have family in their lives, they may have some services, but they may not have those people in their lives that we have who they can talk to about the things that they're concerned about, that they can have confidence that things are going to change if they share what's going on for them. And, of course, some people with intellectual disability can't, um, can't speak for themselves. And for some people with disability, it's an issue of having people in their lives who get to know them and can observe them and see what's happening that's um, maybe a little bit out of sync and not quite right, so they can pick up on issues and deal with them. Mm. Okay. Heather, do you mind if you could give us a little bit of uh, background on yourself? And, and my, my understanding of you two 
two uh, folks' positions is is uh, Rosie is is the administrator, the power behind the throne, as it were. Okay, <laughs> good. And, and good the facilitator, yes. and you are the one in the trenches, actually working with with uh, the intellectually disabled. Yeah, that's a good analogy, and thank you for that, Matt. Um, yes, uh, I. Uh, um, Advocates come from all walks of life. They don't have to be anybody special. They can uh, just be um, like a good neighbour, if you like, or somebody who's uh, uh, just um, maybe gives a damn, you know, <laughs> for somebody else. And so um, I uh, came back to Adelaide after living in the country uh, and met someone who lived quite close to me. Um, and I could see that her life was a daily struggle uh, she didn't have the capacity to understand um, the the basic financial thing about how much to change to to expect if you handed five dollars over for a can of coke or something. You know, just those very simple basic things uh, were beyond her capacity, and uh, she could do a few things for herself in daily care and that sort of thing. Um, but she was going to be living in a unit on her own and. And it really worried me. Um, it, it appeared that the services couldn't do everything, uh, which would be an unreasonable expectation. Uh, and I figured that I could probably be helpful, but I didn't know what to do or where to start. So hearing about citizen advocacy around that time uh, just really uh, clinched it for me that uh, there was somewhere that uh, provided support to the advocate and uh, um, could give me some orientation and training in what to expect and, and what might have been the previous life experiences of a person with intellectual disability uh, through their life whether they had been fostered or institutionalised or, or whatever background they might have come from. And so uh, when I met this lady um, and heard about citizen advocacy, it was just a natural gelling progression. <laughs> mm. and, uh, and it made me feel more secure about offering the assistance, if you like, and getting to know her more deeply. Wow. Well, you know, it's not my role as a host to bash uh, the guests, but I have to take strong exception to something you've said, Heather. You know, you I've said, got broad shoulders. Yeah, you, you said you don't have to be special to be a citizen advocate, and I, I would submit to you that you two are special because you're trying to help other people, uh, you know, at no benefit for yourself. So I think that's to be applauded. So well, I just I want to throw that out there. <laughs> So shame on you for not saying you're special. <laughs> oh, you told me you'd give me a hard time, and here you go. Well, that's what. Uh, that's, but well, I don't believe that, we you've are You've had that from the boys since high school. They're all <laughs> like, you, like your mother told you. The boys only tease you because they like you. <laughs> but um, but our advocates come from all walks of life, mm. and um, uh, like I don't have any formal training. I sort of dropped out of school. I don't like to talk about my mm. lack of qualifications in the academic world <laughs> mm. or anything like that so um, I think you know uh, there are so many human beings out there that have the capacity to care mm. and that's what it's all about if there's a capacity to care for another person um, that doesn't necessarily make you very special at all 
but it um, it can uh, bring you wonderful opportunities in the journey, in taking a journey with someone else, whether it is a person with intellectual disability or whether it's just um, your neighbour or uh, one of your old school friends or whatever. Um, it doesn't matter. It's just that journey that you get to share with someone else. I'm going to counteract you, Matt. Okay, go ahead. Because I, I'm I'm married, so I'm used to women correcting okay. me. Okay, well, I'm going to counteract you because um, it's it's not difficult to do something simple to make a big difference in someone's life. Mm. So I'm going to share a little story, one of our stories about a man who became an advocate. But when we recruited him and invited him to get involved, he said, oh, I can't really do very much because, you know, mm, I don't know about this advocacy thing. I don't know that I can really speak up for him and be his spokesperson. But you know what I can do? I can take him for drives. And so we thought, okay, that's fine. If he would like to take this fellow for drives, then that's a good thing. Now, the fellow that we're talking about, and in Citizen Advocacy, we talk about the person with disability as the protégé. So I'm going to use that term as a shorthand here. So the protégé is a man who uh, had his life together as a young man, but then it fell apart in his late teens. And when it fell apart, he became so traumatised that he stopped speaking. So... One of the things that the advocate said that he was going to aim for was to have this man speak again and have a conversation with him eye to eye. So, okay, the advocate says, I can't, I can't be the advocate, but I can drive him around. I can take him out. So he goes to pick up this fellow one day from his um, home and when he sees him, he sees how poorly dressed the man is and he says "Well, to the staff, well, what's, where are his clothes? What's going on here? And the staff say, well, we can't get any money for him. So the advocate says, well, that's not good enough. So he rings up the authorities and he makes an appointment. He takes the protégé with him to the appointment and introduces the protégé to the person who's responsible for managing this man's money. And he says, look, this is the best he's got. Can't we do better for him? Now, this man said he couldn't be the advocate, and yet that little act changed a lot for that man. Mm. The other thing that happened was after a considerable length of time, the advocate was ab able to get a conversation from this man. And now this man speaks quite freely. But for many, many years, his speech was locked up in his trauma. So this is an advocate. This is a man who said, all I can do is drive him around. So therefore, I counteract your statement that mm. because all of us have the capacity to reach out to another individual, even if it's just to knock on the door and say, are you OK? Or to pick up the phone and say, are you OK? Mm. And if somebody had done that for Anne-Marie Smith she would still be with us today. Mm. And for those of you who might not know who Anne-Marie Smith is, Anne-Marie Smith was the woman with cerebral palsy who died quite tragically because of neglect and abuse and exploitation. Mm. And it's... 
Unfortunately, this is a situation that is likely to happen again and again. As much as we'd like to believe it's not going to happen again, unless we reach out to people with intellectual disability, this will happen again. I, I, I think that you're correct. It's all citizens' responsibility to look out for other people. Um, but I, pr- I told you I was going to do this. The show's not supposed to be about me, but I have to share a story myself, okay? Because my father, as you know, is a Chicago police sergeant. And the time I was most proud of him was not when he was in the gang task force and doing all this other exciting TV-type stuff. He found he was in a domestic violence unit, and, I, and, and I'm telling you this story because I'd like you to expand on how often these kind of things occur and what other people can do to help. But he was in the domestic violence unit, and he found a situation where this, this uh, fellow, was, a woman married him okay, for his money because he had a trust fund. Uh, they had a big, beautiful home. She made him sleep in the basement on like an old army cot. Meanwhile, she'd be entertaining gentlemen callers up in the master bedroom, spending his money like water, so on and so forth. Well, my dad found out about it because this guy was intellectually disabled, went to it, and he was told, there's nothing you can do about it. They're married. There's nothing you can do. Well, he went to a judge, and under the pretense that the marriage was never consummated because she had him sleeping downstairs, he was able to get an annulled. And then uh, able to, she was able to be prosecuted, and, uh, you know, he was back in control of his trust fund, what little was left of it. So how often is that kind of – which I thought was the greatest thing ever um, – how often is, are those kind of things happening, and what should we be looking for? I can't give you any specific statistics on how often it happens, but we certainly have experienced that happening Um, Here in Adelaide, Um, there is one fellow who we met some years ago. Um, I remember quite clearly the night that I first met this man. um, His mother had been in a nursing home and there was a, a woman who was a staff member who was looking after him in the nursing home and she befriended the mother and she then promised the mother she would look after her son. The son was living alone in the family home which then um, was sold. And when I met him, he was in a hotel room and not sure of what was going to happen in his life. The woman that befriended his mum, she then, on the promise of marrying this man, built a relationship with him, but it was an empty promise. Mm. And she got as much out of him as she could. And it was very hard to untangle that web. Mm. Um, But thankfully, he's now free of her and has a much better life. Well, on that somewhat unhappy note, we're going to uh, – I want to hear more about that uh, just in a couple minutes here. But it's uh, 616, and I'm here with Heidi Buck and Rosie Albrecht from Citizen Advocacy uh, South Australia. As your parents get older, at some stage it's likely they'll need your help. At Southern Cross Care, we'd love to help you help them. Our wide range of quality home care services are designed to take care of mum and dad, their health, home and even garden. We're compassionate, capable, police-checked and proudly South Australian. 
If you want the best home care for your parents, call 1-800-852-772 or visit southerncrosscare.com.au. Better, better, better for life. Vuoi promuovere la tua attività? Vuoi aumentare il tuo volume di affari? Non sai a chi rivolgerti? Chiama Radio Italia 1. Il nostro staff commerciale è a disposizione per ogni informazione o preventivo personalizzato. Chiama all'82 123177. Radio Italia 1. E anche tu sarai un numero uno. Hi, I'm David Heath. Join me each Saturday afternoon from 2pm until 5pm for Saturday Sports Scoreboard. If you would like me to host the show live from your sporting event, simply email your request to info at italiauno.com.au. Plus, we'll be announcing a special sporting competition with great prizes to be won. That's Saturday Sports Scoreboard from 2pm every Saturday afternoon on Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM. Looking for a new coffee machine for your home or workplace? Look no further than Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your experts in all things coffee. Why not come in for a chat and a special coffee tasting? You'll find us at 264 Gilbert Street in the city. Mention Radio Italia Uno and you will receive a free 250-gram bag of freshly roasted coffee beans. You can also shop online at www.fccoffee.com.au where you'll find our large range of premium roasted coffee beans, coffee machines, accessories, hot chocolates, teas and lots, lots more. I'm Danielle from Fine Choice Coffee Solutions, your one-stop shop for all things caffeine. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Hello, we're back with Change the World with Matt McQuinley. We're here in the studio with Heather Buck and Rosie Albrecht from Citizen Advocacy South Australia. We were just talking a little bit about how sometimes the intellectually disabled get taken advantage of financially by mm-hmm. by others. Uh, and what are some signs of that and and is there anything that uh, we can do as lay people to help if we see something there's um often been uh signs um uh, of it but quite often it goes un unnoticed uh and that's the sad thing matt um that uh, quite often there there may be exploitation for quite some time before anybody is aware of it um and sadly um a lot of the exploitation is um uh, aimed um, uh, to uh, towards people with uh, intellectual disability because they're vulnerable. They uh, they won't speak out quite often because uh, they think it's their fault or they should understand, but they don't. And and uh, so they might suspect something untowards going on, but can't verbalise that to somebody. So, And sadly, uh, quite often it's people that are close to them mm. uh, that have taken advantage. Um, but it's not just in the financial um, way. Um, there's been... They are, um, the statistics are much higher with people with intellectual disability being targeted for uh, sexual abuse and not just the financial abuse, but 
all forms of abuse and discrimination and and so forth. So um, if we're close to people and have those good relationships, uh, we will see the signs. And quite often if you're close to a person and they um, don't open up anymore, whereas they used to, um, you know, they go quiet because they've been told not to talk to somebody uh, about what's going on or whatever. So so there are, are little signs that... that you know, only people that might be close to that person might pick up on. So that's why it is important for people to be around um, people with disability because um, uh, that is a safeguard for their vulnerability, if you like. And so um, our advocates have often uh, come in and seen um, situations that shouldn't ought to be there um, and had to... Um, clean up or fix or, or you know, um, make it right in some way, shape or form for the person with disability, the protégé. So, um, yeah, and at Citizen Advocacy, our advocates have uh, several instances of those sorts of things that, um, um, you know, a vulnerable person might have been in danger of losing their house or losing um, all their money or, you know... Whatever they have, you know, um, family members have carted off their furniture or taken their piggy bank money that they've just put a bit aside, you know, for a rainy day or something, you know, just uh, it, it goes from the little things to um, the Anne-Marie Smith situation, which was um, started as um, financial abuse and led into uh, her death. So um, this is how serious a problem can be if it's undetected. Wow. And it's really interesting that, to me at least, that they like uh, like most victims, they blame themselves sometimes, and yeah. you have to keep your eyes out for that where, you know, all oh, this is happening to me, and it's my fault because maybe they think they're stupid or whatever. I mean, in yeah. their mind, just yeah. like a, a yeah. girl says, oh, it's all my fault I was raped because I was wearing the wrong outfit or, you yeah. know, so they, yeah. they, turn them, they turn themselves into, you know, yeah. the person who's to blame even though they, they shouldn't have any blame. And some people um, develop a, a victim mentality um, they've got no right to have, actually, mm. but, mm. but um, uh, because of the trauma of what's happened and uh, the the circumstances of their daily life, uh, after a while it wears people down and uh, they can go into anxiety and depression mm. uh, and this victim mentality and then, you know, somebody who might have been actually quite capable of looking after themselves is suddenly overly dependent on somebody else because they don't trust themselves mm. um, with things. So, you know, there's it's quite... Quite a uh, situation where only somebody that gets close to a person will pick up on a lot of this thing, mm. these things. I'd like to to just take a step back for a second. I I, I want to talk a little bit about why what you do is important as citizen advocacy versus you know some people might say oh well the government will take care of people that have these issues you know it's the government's responsibility blah 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 what do you feel why do you feel it's important to have groups like yours and what role should the government be playing in in helping out folks like this and and do those overlap or are they two separate ideas it's certainly not unusual to hear people say, you know, but surely the government's got things in place 
to look after people who are vulnerable in our community. And certainly there are things in place and some people out there might be familiar with the National Disability Insurance Scheme. We certainly hear enough about it. Um, So in theory, this scheme was going to help everybody with disability. However, the reality of any scheme is that it's limited. And the reality of any service, however good it might be and however well-structured it might be, is limited in what it can offer. And there are certainly things that paid services cannot provide for people with intellectual disability. So if we examine our own lives for a moment and just think about the people who are in our lives who support us, who support us through tragedy, the people that shed tears with us, the people who know us well and who pick up on little changes in us, the people who celebrate joyous occasions with us, our birthdays, Christmases, other occasions. Now, when we look at our own lives, those people are people who are not paid to be in our lives. They are our partners, our families, our friends, our neighbours, Um, our associates, we're involved with sports clubs and all sorts of clubs and and things, they are the people that we surround ourselves with to support us. Who's there for the person with intellectual disability? And if we stop and think about what life looks like for people with intellectual disability, it's a little bit like landing in a foreign country. Supports are limited, it's confusing... And it's very, very difficult. And therefore, the sort of opportunities that an advocate can provide in supporting a person with intellectual disability is quite important. Mm. Wow, that's that's great. I mean, I, I personally, I, I think that uh, the whole juxtaposition of the government versus the individual, I, I think that it makes such a huge difference when the person actually know who the protege as you call it the yeah. uh, intellectually disabled person knows that the person is there is not getting paid yeah. so they're doing this out of love and actually wanting to help someone versus you know i'm and i'm not trying to bag on anybody who work for the government works for the government but you know that's just a government employee you know um, government going it, through the going through the motions stamp and papers the government employee will be nine to five, whereas mm. the advocate... If we're lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I can't help myself. <laughs> but the advocate um, answers the phone in the middle of the night, mm. um, and if somebody's in distress, they'll, they'll uh, you know, pull on the dressing gown and drive over or whatever they need to do in the middle of the night or whenever it is, because that's just the response that the advocate will have towards the protégé. I just want to add that it's um, there are very good workers out there and we don't want to can the good workers that are out there. It's important that people with disability have access to good support, good workers. So for those workers out there that are doing a great job, good on you because I know, I know the work that you do and it's it can be quite tricky. So... We're not canning workers, but we're all we're just saying that people with intellectual disability don't get those same opportunities for opportunities for relationships that are not paid and are not somehow tied to something else. So these are relationships 
with people who are not paid, who are in a, um, a free of conflict of interest position, who are independent and can, who can speak up and say, things are not right for this person and we've got to fix this. Mm. You know, can't we do better for this person? You know, if this was my mum, my sister, my brother, my uncle, whoever, if this was my neighbour, what would I want for them? Wouldn't I want for them the best? Well, surely that's what people with intellectual disability should be getting. They should be getting best opportunities for access to the good life like we all look for. Mm. And, of course, if the person is focused only on one person, I mean, that's why they're an advocate. I mean, and, of course, everybody that works for the government likes to make fun of people that work for the government. So we're just doing this in a good-naturedly way. My dad worked for the government his whole life. He used to say, that's the least I could do. That's why I did it. So, but I tell you, he worked hard. So it's about 6.30, and we're here with uh, Heather Buck and Rosie Albrecht, and we're going to be bringing up some other good, great points here in just a couple minutes. Governo locale, mercoledì dalle 11 alle 12, con Patrizia e Tony. Solo su Radio Italia 1, 87.6 FM. Ora più che mai... L'assistenza che le famiglie conoscono e di cui si fidano è qui per te, a bene. Con i nostri servizi di assistenza domiciliare, i tuoi cari diventano nostri. Offriamo servizi di supporto sociale e assistenza per fare la spesa ed Andrea si è sentito completamente a suo agio. Il personale è stato fantastico fornendomi supporto sociale a casa. Bene, fornisce servizi per mantenere uno stile di vita attivo e di benessere, assistenza domiciliare o residenziale agli anziani, con rispetto e calore, con bene. Sei in famiglia. Chiamaci all'81 31 2000 o visitaci su bene.org.au Foodland's proudly owned by South Australian families like mine. Our stores are our second home. And just like home, we want you to feel safe and looked after when you visit. Thankfully, our customers have always acted like Mighty South Aussies when shopping with us. Which, by the way, supports all the local family-owned brands who produce the essentials you find on our shelves. Great families, great locals and great food lives here. Radio Italia 1 You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM. Hello, we're back with Heather Buck and Rosie Albrecht from Citizen Advocacy South Australia. And in the break, we were talking a little bit about other forms of abuse that that uh, the ment- uh, intellectually disabled might uh, have a challenge with. Can, can you t- expand on that a little bit for us? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, yes, uh, for a person with intellectual disability particularly uh, and uh, possibly autism, uh, quite often they don't get to um, make the own, their own choices in their life. And if uh, people are paid to be there, they might uh, jump in and make all those choices for them. But they might be based on what they do for other people as well as that individual person. So the person loses their individuality in their choices. Like, for instance, um, 
um, you know, somebody might love to go and watch Port Power. Well, we won't find them an advocate who's only going to take them to the crows. That's not going to work out for a relationship. <laughs> and uh, so, um, but that's just a simple example of the fact that people do have choices and there are things that they prefer to do. There, there are some people who love arts and crafts and there are other people who don't. Uh, there are people who want to be out in the community participating in a variety of ways in the community, but they don't actually get those opportunities to do that. Um, the NDIS does actually um, uh, encourage community participation, uh, but it can easily be stymied if the right person isn't there to help guide the person in those directions and preferences that they might have, or even be aware of those preferences. Um, you know, uh, I gave the example about somebody who might like to do craft. Well, you know, there's all different sorts of craft and, and um, uh, they might have something in particular they really want to do and it could be possible but they may need the advocate to say, you know, um, how about we have some NDIS funding? How about we have a worker to take them to a mosaic class or some uh, particular thing that they really want to do and have a bent for? And um, I'm sure we'd, we'd see... Um, a lot more people um, with disability um, with um, amazing um, uh, attributes and, and amazing talent in the arts and in sport indeed if the opportunities were there for people. Um, you know, there's a lot of people that get taken bowling because it's convenient and it's easy. But what if they'd rather play AFL than you know, go bowling, you know, are they, are they ever going to get that choice? So um, an advocate can um, see the possibilities and um, mentor um, but also be a bit of a visionary for mm. the person. Um, what's it going to take to get this person uh, into the choice that they would really like for themselves. So as an advocate, I guess we learn to walk in the shoes of that other person. So I'm not going to uh, get my protege to do something because it's what I like to do. It's it's finding out what they like to do and where they like to go and what uh, what things they like to participate in. So That's it's almost like a Make-A-Wish Foundation. <laughs> So you're like a, a woman who makes dreams come true. I'd like That's to wonderful. Think so, but very minimal. <laughs> Heather's the make a wish, and I'm the matchmaker. Ah, <laughs> now Fiddler on the Roof is running through my head. <laughs> no, I'd just like to add to what Heather's saying to say that um, there are some things around people with intellectual disability that are very poorly understood in our community, mm. and one of those things is what true inclusion means. So we sometimes see people um, involved in activities that um, might seem nice, but we often see people uh, involved in activities in groups rather than individually, which can be okay for some things, but really it doesn't satisfy the individual needs of people. So the other thing is that often with the NDIS um, in the NDIS, there's funding available for social supports. And often social supports means going out for coffee and cake, which is really a bit of a worry when many people with 
disability have issues around their health, around their diet. Many of them have diabetes. And going out for coffee and cake with your worker is not true inclusion and it's not really helping that person access the things that they may like to do in the community. Often people don't know what they would like to do in the community. So finding a way to introducing them to a whole lot of new ideas and and so on is a really good way to go. So these are things that somehow services sometimes miss. And so we end up caretaking people rather than giving them opportunities for the good life. So it's like anything. You need to know your audience and then figure out what's best for them. That's yeah, it. and and when I um, spoke earlier, Matt, about it being a journey with someone else, mm-hmm. um, what a way to go, you know, um, somebody else's journey. Um, one particular lady um, uh, had absolutely no hope and uh, totally isolated, and and um, but the advocates saw that there would be a possibility of introducing some services in her life and um, getting things to happen for this person but realised that there were a lot of um, problems uh, to access things because uh, she'd been labelled as aggressive or she'd been, um, you know, people didn't want to work with her. She was difficult, if you like. She had behavioural issues or whatever. And um, the advocate just took her for drives uh, because that's what she wanted to do. And it took a long, long time to actually get to know her and to get to know what would really work for her in her life. Um, But the advocate used the analogy of... We're going to get on. We're going to make some steps. Uh, get up on a step at a time on a ladder, and it'll be just one step at a time. And it might take a long time to get that first step. Get on that first step. But once we get on that first step, we might get two or three steps up, or or whatever. And uh, so. You know, it, it does take time sometimes to realise something that you that the person might really want for themselves or not even realise what they want for themselves and you, you've got to find out and do the legwork and the homework, if you like, and, mm. and really get to stand by them until you work that out. So, yeah. So it's uh, it, the, the advocate needs to be somewhat of an amateur psychiatrist or psychologist at least. You need to seek first to understand understand where they're coming from to help them get to where they want to be or maybe even where I think we do that with all think, our relationships yeah, don't yeah. we well, yeah. well, the smart I'm still people, working out my husband smart people do but a lot of people don't a lot of people don't they start they you know instead of trying to figure out where the person's come and, uh, coming from and taking them to where they'd like to be or where they should be they just yell at them and call them a dummy and then you know expect them to think like them which you know, is uh, obviously not the best approach. That's that's exactly right. And and really, when we think about our world, our world is actually very complicated, because so much of what we do is based on concepts and concepts that you can't. Um, they're not tangible. They're concepts that we learn somehow. And for some people, some of the concepts like time, money, relationships are all a bit weird for people. And they learn, they learn 
by um, by seeing programs like Home and Away <laughs> and and Neighbours, which is you know they're fine, they're nice programs, but they're not instructive when it comes to these things. Mm. And so consequently, you've got people that get themselves into terrible situations. And we know the Royal Commission recently um, informed us that 90% of women over the age of 15 with intellectual, well, with disability, have been sexually abused. Wow. And uh, partly because they're vulnerable, but partly because they're trying to make their lives like everybody else's life and they don't know how to do it, mm. you know? And, and so there are a whole lot of things that go on around people with disability that most of us are not, if you're not in the know, people are just not aware of them. Mm. I'd like to go back to something that Heather's been alluding to that I'd like to underline, if that's okay. Um, you, you talked about the journey that you're taking as an advocate. And I just think for anybody listening that, you know, this is something to consider. I mean, how, trying to become an advocate, and I'm going to ask you a little bit about how people can do that in a second. But if you think about it, it really does offer a lot of growth for the advocate themselves. I mean, they're, they're, they're helping a person, they're, you know, growing themselves by helping others. The best way to improve yourself is by teaching, and the yeah. best way to grow yourself is by helping to grow other people, yeah. and it just seems like, you know, by giving, you're getting a lot as well. I mean, that, I'm sure that's not why you got into it in the first place, no. but it just seems like there's so much that you're actually... Uh, benefiting by helping others. So if you could talk a little bit about that and maybe how somebody could get involved in yeah. advocacy uh, yeah. with you or, or, or anybody else. Yeah, well, on reflection, uh, you're quite right um, that uh, I often reflect how blessed I've been um, with uh, people with disability in my life. Um, I've learnt a lot about myself that I didn't think was even possible. Um, the females in our family are not known for their patience. Um, but somehow people say, oh, you've got a lot of patience, you know, and uh, I shouldn't have that. But I've, I've, I guess I've learnt to be... Um, to think slowly and carefully and um, I've learnt to strategize. Uh, sometimes you've got to have a good strategy to get something for someone else and uh, I guess I've always been uh, bolder at asking for something for uh, my protege than I possibly would for myself, you know. So you do learn a lot about yourself. And, um, yeah, being an advocate isn't difficult or becoming an advocate isn't difficult. Um, as I said before, I just um, saw that there was somebody who could do a lot better and maybe I could be part of that journey. So I got involved with citizen advocacy um, and uh, uh formalised, if you like, our relationship. But uh, I did um, uh, just uh, three sessions of um, what we call orientation and um, uh, just to, to hear about what the journey might look like or what um, I was getting into, etc. And um, Rosie can perhaps talk a bit more about, you know, people approaching citizen advocacy. But normally we find the protege first and then find the advocate. Okay, that's great. Could we get, we get the Facebook page real quick from you, Rosie? 
Oh, gosh. Um, It's just Citizen Advocacy South Australia. There you go. Okay, well, we're here with Heather Buck and Rosie Albrecht from Citizen Advocacy South Australia. It's uh, 6.44, and we'll hear some more from them in just a little bit. Hi, I'm David Heath. Join me each Saturday afternoon from 2pm until 5pm with Saturday Sports Scoreboard. No matter what your sports passion, we'll be covering it during our three hours together. I'll be crossing to various sporting events, we'll chat with your favourite sports stars and we'll take your calls. Every Saturday afternoon, 2 until 5, on Radio Italia Uno, 87.6 FM. Estovest, a restaurant that offers traditional Italian food that Nonna would approve of. Famous for gnocchi and authentic Napolitana-style pizza. And every Thursday night, you can enjoy unlimited pizza for just $25. Wonderful coffee and staff that make you feel special. Estovest, Shop 1, 111 Angus Street in the city. To book, visit their website estorvest.com.au and click on book now you'll feel like you're in Italy Radio Italia Uno You're listening to Change the World with Matt McQuinley on Radio Italia Uno 87.6 FM Hello, we're back with Heather Buck and Rosie Albrecht from Citizen Advocacy South Australia. Um, Before the break, we were talking a little bit about how someone could get involved in being an advocate because it sounds like there's so much uh, for the person actually doing it, not just helping others and, and the feelings that come from helping others, but so much personal growth that a person who is an advocate uh, gets from the, for themselves. So could you talk a little bit about how they could get involved? Um, there are many things that a person can do to get involved in what we do. Um, there are many different roles that they might like to perform. I guess I, I should I should say that we do get um, funded from the federal government under the National Disability Advocacy Program, um, so I'd like to acknowledge that. Um, so, you know, we're always happy to hear from people who are interested in, in what we do. We might not have somebody immediately available for them to be involved with but there are lots of different roles that we have sometimes at the moment we're looking for board members so that's something that we're certainly keen to hear from people that might like to be involved at the board level if they're not confident to be involved as advocates certainly if they'd just like to hear about it more and do some orientation we don't put pressure on people to become involved but we certainly like to have the opportunity to talk to people about um, what it might be to be involved. And so they can then make their own minds up about whether or not they'd like to be involved and what sort of level they'd like to be involved in. So the way to get in touch with us is via email. So it's all lowercase, office.citizenadvocacy, as one word, at gmail.com. Or they can give me a call on 0408-811-845. And either way, we'll, if you can't get us immediately, we'll certainly get back in touch with you. And uh, we're always happy to hear from people. Another area that we're keen to sort of build in our organisation is a um, sort of a, a funding auxiliary, a fund, Friends of Citizen Advocacy, I suppose you could say, to support the program with financial support. 
um, because while we get the funding from the government, we also like to have some um, some independent money available to us because if we've got independent funds, we can then do some other things as well. So, um, so there are two areas, the board, well, three areas, the board, being an advocate or being involved in, in some sort of fundraising opportunity. So, um, yeah, get in touch. And as an advocate, I'm well supported by the program as well. Um, so if uh, from time to time uh, issues arise, uh, I know as an advocate I can uh, phone the office and talk to Rosie or Jo um, if uh, uh, they might even put me in touch with other people. So if there's a housing problem or if there's a, a particular um, issue that uh, I don't feel that I have enough information about, they can point me in the right direction. We also run um, advocate evenings and workshops for the advocates. So um, we've um, had uh, uh, workshops on uh, mental health first aid, on all sorts of things and these are just things that we put on and uh, advocates, um, if they feel that that's something that uh, will be of interest to them in their relationship then uh, they're free to come along uh, and we don't charge our advocates for anything because obviously the advocates are there as unpaid citizens anyway and uh, usually um, just good citizens in the community. Uh, so yeah, um, we we just were on a wide range of workshops that um, will be helpful uh, in a variety of circumstances for the advocates and uh, other people are free to come along to those as well. Mm. Thank you. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, sometimes um, advocates just want to brainstorm and sometimes they just want to talk because the supporting somebody with intellectual disability can be a lot of pressure because the person with intellectual disability might be very, very lonely. That's a very common thing for people with um, intellectual disability to be very isolated and lonely and that can be demanding on an advocate. So we help advocates deal with how they can support the person and also look after themselves in the process as well. Mm. So you focus on helping the helpers. Exactly. That's awesome. Well, uh, just real quick, I, I, I would like you to give us the Facebook page again and the phone number okay. and the email address because I, I some people, I, I don't know if they could have got that, So if you, just so they can contact you. Sure. So the email address is all lowercase office.citizenadvocacy, as one word, at gmail.com. The Facebook page is simply Citizen Advocacy South Australia and the phone number 0408 845. All right. Well, I want to th thank Mark Aston today for paneling for us. Thanks, Matt. And, uh, of course, I want to thank Rosie Albrecht, uh, the program director of uh, the organization, as well as the vice chair that we have here with us, uh, Heather Buck. And you can learn more about them, again, and their organizations. And one more time, we're going to do the Facebook page and the phone number and the email. Okay? So one more time. One more Third time. Third time's a charm. Okay. Facebook page, Citizen Advocacy South Australia. The email is all lowercase office.citizenadvocacy 
at gmail.com and the phone number 0408 845. But most of all, I also I want to thank our thank all of you for listening. Please tune in next week, Monday at 6 p.m. for Change the World with Matt McQuinley on 87.6 FM Radio Italia Uno. And as always, I'll leave you with a brief inspirational message. I want to tell you a story that I read over 30 years ago. It's the story of a German immigrant who was an engineer who also wanted to build a bridge and was told time and time again that it could not be built. He wanted to build a suspension bridge. There were many engineering issues that made the experts believe that it was impossible to build. One of the issues was the fact that there had never before been built a bridge that was that long. If it was completed, it would be 50% longer than any suspension bridge previously built. Also at that time, suspension bridges were thought to be an inherently unsafe product because the technology had not been developed fully. Yet another problem was that the ground the bridge was to be built on was not solid enough to hold up this kind of bridge. But John Roebling knew he could do it. He convinced his son, who was also an engineer, to work with him. Somehow, they convinced the bankers to finance the project and the politicians to go along as well. After just a few months in a workplace accident, John Roebling received a crushing injury to his foot when a ferry pinned his foot against a piling. The doctors had to amputate his foot. This amputation led to tetanus, which led to his death very soon after. His son, Washington Roebling, now had to take over. Not long after that, as they were setting the pylons deep underwater, Washington suffered from what today we call the bends, or decompression sickness. As a result, he became completely paralyzed and was unable to speak. Work ceased. No one believed the bridge could be built. The Roeblings were the only ones who knew how it could be built. It seemed it would never be finished and all was lost. From his hospital bed, Washington Roebling had an inspiration. Although he couldn't move his body or speak, he was left with movement in only one finger. He and his wife developed a code of communication by tapping on his wife's arm. His wife Emily would pass on the instructions and information needed to finish the bridge. Although his wife was not an engineer, she convinced the politicians, the bankers, the workers, and everybody else to continue working. For 13 years, Washington Roebling tapped out instructions on his wife's arm to finish the bridge. When it was finally finished in 1883, the Brooklyn Bridge was dubbed the eighth wonder of the world. For many years after its construction, it was the largest structure in the Western Hemisphere. Because it connected Manhattan and Brooklyn and their huge populations, in 1898, the city of Brooklyn, Staten Island, and a few other small towns merged with New York City and formed Greater New York as we know it today. On the day the bridge was completed, 150,300 people and 1,800 vehicles crossed the bridge, including the mayors of Brooklyn and New York, the governor of New York, who would also in the future become the President of the United States, as well as the current President of the United States, and 
the very first person to cross the bridge, Emily Roebling. On September 11th, 2001, massive numbers of vehicles and people evacuated the city in numbers that could have never been predicted or were ever imagined when the bridge was built with absolutely no problem. Over 150 years after work began, 138 years after its completion, the Brooklyn Bridge stands today as a testament, not only to the engineering brilliance of its creators, but more importantly, to his family's willpower. What do we learn from the Roeblings? Well, first of all, we are reminded of what Henry Ford said, that if you think a thing can be done or you think a thing can't be done, you're right either way. But more importantly, we are reminded that there are two kinds of people in this world and two kinds of people listening to this radio show right now. There's the type of person who will not even try because they think it's impossible, who will not even try because there are obstacles, who will give up when things get tough, who will listen to the harbingers of doom. And then there's the type of person who will believe they can do it, who will strive to succeed regardless of the obstacle and will finally reach their objective no matter what effort is necessary and who will remain undaunted and unbroken. The question is, as always, which one are you?